Welcome back to Thinking About It, our podcast weekly uh, recorded for people who are interested in thinking, Dave, about what we're thinking about. I'm here with Dave Barker, uh, Professor Emeritus at Heritage, uh, Old Testament Studies, uh, your area of focus, Dave, and uh, we're grateful that you're able to uh, take time out of your busy schedule uh, to be with us in our podcast. And today, uh, we're going to talk about something that... um, you're in the middle of right now. You're teaching a course at Heritage. Uh, you came into our studio and um, just kind of shared the continuation of your conversation, which has to do with the law, which is your area of focus as an Old Testament uh, prof, uh, and how the church deals with the law, how, how uh, pastors preach the law, what is the significance of the law uh, for churches today. Can we, val- can we benefit from it? How do you teach it? And so we started that conversation, and I'd just like to carry it on right now. What good is the law for, for churches that have been um, saved from the consequence of the law? We're not under the law. We're under grace. So why are you wanting to talk about the value of the law? Well, I think it's, I think, let's start with the New Testament and the Apostle Paul telling Timothy that all Scripture, passe graphe, which is by the way, would be a reference to the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't written yet or was being written. All scripture is profitable and uh, it's for, and then he says for teaching, for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness that the child of God may be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. So somehow that drives me to think about, okay, Exodus 20 to the end of Deuteronomy is a big chunk of passe graphe, all scripture, Paul says is profitable. So how does that work and how does that come into the life of the church when in fact Christ said, and Paul has taught us as well, that Christ has fulfilled the law, we're not under the law, and in fact he was adamantly opposed to those who tried to bring the church back under the law. And so that's where I start and say, okay, there's something going on here than simply ignoring because of the fact that we've been brought out from under the law, of ignoring the law. Somehow there's value there. Okay, uh, and I know where you're going, but before you go there, uh, what about Jesus' statement that he said, the law of Moses and the prophets are about me? And he went through all the scriptures and he said, the value of the law is that it points to me, uh, which we're not going to argue with, but you're, you're going to go in a, in a different direction from that. Well, not really. I'm, I'm going to go in a direction that says every law actually points us to the character of God. Every law points us to something theocentric, God-centered, or Christocentric, or and Christocentric, Christ-centered. And every law, all 613 laws, and that's what we've counted them up as mm-hmm. their number of them, point to something about the character, the value, the virtue, something about God that, and, and revealed in Christ that we need to embrace in order to be Christ-like. Okay. Good enough. All right. For instance. Okay. Well, <laughs> for instance, um, 
Well, I've got Deuteronomy 22 in front of me right now, and there's a series of of laws there. And by the way, just because you mentioned it, um, I just finished teaching a class on hermeneutics, on how to handle the law, and the assignment that my students have is to work through Deuteronomy 22 and and pick out some of these ones and and try to bring them across. So my, my basic premise is this. We are free from all the forms of the law. Sabbath keeping, even tithing, uh, sacrifices that, that, that were brought. All those forms mm-hmm. have been fulfilled in Christ. We're not under obligation for any of those. However, every law had a function, had a value, had a purpose, pointed to something about the character of God now revealed in Christ. And so my, I'm asking my students, explain to me, how the form has no longer a bearing on us, but how the function does. And um, so, for example, um, when you build a new house, make a parapet around your roof so that you may not bring the guilt of bloodshed on your house as someone falls from the roof. Well, that's a pretty obvious one, Mm -hmm. right? No, we are not under obligation to build balconies or parapets or or whatever, around our roofs. We don't have flat roofs, for one thing. But even if you do have a flat roof, we're not under that bound, we're not bound to that law. So that's a form that we're not obligated to obey. But the function is care for your neighbor, love your neighbor, uh, shovel your sidewalk, uh, put airbags in your car, um, put a railing down, uh, down the steps, uh, put salt or sand or whatever you think is appropriate on your sidewalk so that somebody doesn't slip and fall. Care for people. And so there's, and that's rooted in God. That's rooted in Christ. That's rooted in love God, love neighbor. And it's not just a practical extension. It is in fact rooted in a theocentric, crystal-centric worldview that these are values that we need to embrace. Because I care, I care about these people because God does? Yeah, and they are image bearers of God. We are image bearers of God. Jesus said that we're to love God, love neighbor, and this is an expression of love neighbor. Um, another one would be, um, do not plow with an ox and a donkey. Now, that, that's a very interesting one, and there's a number of different ways to take this, but I remember, and, and I, I'll say this very quickly, I remember being in Israel, and we were with a teacher and across the field, there was someone plowing with an ox and a donkey. And he pointed it out to us. And he said, do you realize that that's in violation of the Mosaic law? And, he, and then he said, so why was that in the law? Now, you know, there's, there's a number of different ways you can take this, but the one he said, and I think he may have, have a point. He says it's cruel to the ox because the donkey doesn't pull its weight. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it creates a... Now, the, the context is mixture, so mixing claws, mixing grains. So there may be a mixing of animals here. But his comment was, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's something, it was cruel to the ox. So are, are we prohibited from, from plowing with oxes and donkeys? Well, it's not part of our world. But is this something just that is a mere curiosity of the past that we would say, well, that's cool, no, there's a value there. There's a principle there. Namely, we need to be caring for our animals. We need to be caring for creatures. We need to be involved in creature care. Okay, practical point. 
our dog that my wife loves. <laughs> I've already got a big investment in this animal. Okay. The vet said she may have uh, ruptured her cruciate ligament. Okay. Whatever that is. It's a $3,000 it. Oh, gee. Right? Um, so, so here we have the care of this dog, right? God loved, God created this animal. And so we have an obligation. And my wife is quite adamant about this. God gave her to us to care for. And so now we're faced with that's going to cost us something. And I... So there, I just we're, we're thinking about it. How much of a steward are we? You know, what? How does God view this? Do we just say, you know, that just it's time to call it? Well, there's a couple of things that play in here. Number one, there's a be time to be born and time to die. Mm-hmm. So we've got that to play in. Secondly, we do not believe that animals are human beings, uh, and so we need to be kind of careful with how we elevate that status of animals. We are, they are not image bearers of God in the way that we are. <laughs> I think the other factor you got to care for is uh, living, your wi- living with your wife according to understanding. Yeah. <laughs> and you may, there may be a bigger issue there mm-hmm. than, than the actual dog. Um, but the, the point is that cruelty to animals is contrary to the character of God. Yeah. And we were told from the very beginning, created as image bearers of God, that we are to be stewards of his creation. Mm-hmm. So, And e- even in Deuteronomy 22, there's a reference to don't cut down a tree if there's a mother bird sitting on a bird's nest. And there's a particular specific way of dealing with it, the way it's prescribed. Are we bound to the specific prescription that's found about bird's nests and trees? No. But... We are bound to the principle or the value found in God that we're to be involved in creation care. Okay, is that something that churches should include in our, in our catechism, our teaching, calling people to be um, in, environmentally concerned? We, I, I'm not aware that that's part of our instruction, but if we're going to treat the law properly in terms of its function— are you saying that that should be part of our teaching, maybe even part of our covenants? Yes, absolutely. And I have become even more so committed to that. I don't think I was at one time, but I think the church needs to set the example. I think the church needs to uh, be as environmentally uh, cautious and careful and responsible uh, as we possibly can and that, uh, that we need to lead the way. Because we are image bearers of God, given the commission to be stewards of his creation. Rule, and that has everything to do with stewardship. So yeah, I, I, think, that, I think that we have failed in two primary domains. We, uh, we are, tend not to be strong in caring for the poor. And I think that's part of our stewardship. And I think social justice and care for the poor. You say the poor, you meaning our own poor? Because we do have an obligation to our household. Or are you talking about to the, the poor within the, the city, if you will? I would say, say both. Yes. And uh, I think that churches need to recognize that that is as much as part of their responsibility as the various other aspects of, of, of church life. And so to support something like Ray of Hope, 
which is an agency that really, in many ways, considers itself to be the mm-hmm. hands and feet of the mm-hmm. church. Um, I think that is something that we need to embrace and and uh, get behind, and allow. And it's interesting because they're already doing the work for us. Yeah. So all we need to do is get behind them, and they're good people. Yeah. Uh, that are doing a great job and uh, need our help and support. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, of course, environmental issues. I think we need to speak to it. I think we need to make sure that in our churches we're trying to be as environmentally responsible as we can mm-hmm. and setting a model and example for the community. You know, and I think, Dave, there are a lot of young people who f- are very passionate about this, and uh, there's a bit of a disconnect because they're not being affirmed in this in a lot of churches because... I wasn't trained to address these things. And so I think for their sake um, and for God's, we we need to encourage them to say, yes, we are as concerned, even more concerned about the environment as what your professor might be because it's God's creation. I agree. And uh, I think pastors, you know, I, you and I grew up in an era that this conversation wasn't all that dominant. Um, and now, and we got to be a little bit careful because now it's gone to almost a, a godlike extreme where that's the problem where you move into uh much more yeah. mystical and almost mm-hmm. uh worshipful mm-hmm. uh considerations of nature and that kind of thing. And so there's a balance there. And we bring it back and we realize that there's only one God to be worshipped, and that's the God that we find revealed in scripture through Christ. Um but it doesn't I think we have because of our fear of going too far, we've not gone far enough. Right. So the law is useful to instruct us in very practical areas of, of stewardship and godliness. And ultimately, it points us to the character of God, you're saying? Yes. Uh, like Jesus said, I am the focus of the law. And right. so we learn something about the heart of Christ. We learn what Christ-likeness is. Yeah. We learn what Christ-likeness is when uh, we're not cruel to animals, when we, when we see... When we see these laws, um, you know, don't plant two different kinds of seed. Well, we do that all the time. I'm a mm-hmm. farm kid, and I know we planted alfalfa and, and other seeds together. So we're not bound to that law because, but the reason why that it was back there is that it had some kind of mystical fertility oh. uh, kind of feel. And so what is the principle? Don't get involved in pagan mystical fertility mm-hmm. cults. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, sympathetic magic mm-hmm. or that kind of thing. Stay away from pagan, ritualistic, and, and imp- in improper ways of believing and seeing the world. And don't let that keep you from the main issue because you're afraid, we're afraid we might be associated with that. We're still called to be concerned about nature only in a different way for a different purpose. Right. Absolutely. Well, Dave, 15 minutes has flown by. Um, thanks for helping us understand the law and applying it. And so we'll look forward to hearing more of our friends speak from the pulpit on the obligation to be faithful stewards of the environment. Until then, I'm Bob McGregor. I'm Dave Barker. Keep thinking about it. <laughs>